welcome to another episode of stumps and stories and we move ahead to discover another incredible incredible journey and this takes us across two sports actually and if you're joining us on spotify then please do follow stumps and stories and of course if you're joining us on apple podcasts make sure that you also subscribe to us stumps and stories with nishad bhai vaidya so when we talk about cricket we often hear the word all rounder and when we say all rounder we think about a player who can obviously bowl and bat to good measure contribute in all departments but we look at all rounders even beyond the sporting field because there are some individuals who have achieved not just in the sports arena but also off it and today i've got someone who's really inspirational and whose journey has been a lesson for a lot of people and it's my honor to speak to him because it's a journey that really fascinates me and it's it's been one that has had so many achievements and so many milestones and memories as well so it's dr rudy van vuren who joins us from south africa at the moment he a little bit of an intro from my side of course before we bring him in dr van buren has represented his country at the world cup in cricket and rugby and at the rugby world cup twice in fact the 1999 world cup and the 2003 world cup as the name suggests he's a he's a practicing doctor he was involved uh, you know facing some of the biggest challenges health challenges in namibia in the early 2000s and later he became an avid conservationist and today he's still involved with cricket namibia and at a time when the team is really achieving a lot for the country so thank you so much dr rudy for joining us and it's indeed our pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much for this opportunity so you know let's just start right at the beginning because you have played two sports so how did that start about because here in india it's generally that we pick one sport and that's generally cricket or yeah. if you pick some other sport generally you're just focused on it how did you become a double international well i was um i always loved playing rugby and uh, cricket and uh, i used to play against my my brother in the backyard and then when i um got a bit older and the namibian cricket team first picked me in 1997 and uh, i went to the icc tournament in malaysia and when i came back i was picked for the rugby team um and i was lucky um then i played rugby and started playing rugby and cricket and um i was very lucky that the team managers and the coaches um understood each other well and spoke to each other and managed managed my workloads very well um you know in a rugby season i had to put on weight more muscle and in a cricket season i had to trim down and i was helped a lot with that by um the two coaches and and the managers so yeah that's uh, <laughs> in a mobile we uh, you have to double up with everything you have to do everything <laughs> yeah it's 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 really fascinating because it's the by landmass the country is sizable but the population is small and you've of course played the rugby world cup the cricket world cup and you played both sports 
how did you balance it out alongside your academic commitments because being a doctor you really have to study a lot you've got to go to the university there are a lot of exams to clear the practicals etc and learning itself is so difficult it's so important how did you balance all that out that was very difficult uh, i i became very good at managing time um because at the time that i was playing for namibia rugby and cricket i played for 7 years i played rugby and cricket in the winter i played rugby in the summer cricket i was then practicing as a medical doctor so to genuinely be um at the practice enough was quite difficult uh, but i was very um lucky i had good partners who understood that um i i played rugby and cricket and who accommodated me so you have to become very very good at time management and later as you moved ahead and you spoke about the 1997 icc trophy that you were picked for namibia what are your memories of that tournament a first international tournament for you competing for a spot in the 99 world cup eventually it was of course bangladesh and scotland who made it so what was all that about well it uh, it was um, for me it was exciting i did very well in that tournament i think i was under the top 3 bowlers in the tournament um did very well there uh, and then from that tournament the next tournament was in 2001 canada when we qualified uh we improved a lot we learned a lot in that tournament we had a young team um and in the 2001 tournament where we won 13 games in a row to qualify for the world cup that was of course i think uh, one of the highlights of my sports career and of course you played the final against the netherlands and it was really close you got 3 for 35 and you lost that game but it was really close you had a contribution what do you remember about that day because in associate cricket those icc trophy finals were big encounters at the time yes um the netherlands we always have a great game with the netherlands it's always uh, a big clash but i think you know we we played in the final against the netherlands and by that time we had qualified for the world cup yeah. so it was almost not as an excuse but uh it was almost we did the job 13 games in a row we beat scotland um we got into the world cup uh, uh for 20, 2003 and the netherlands game what i remember about the game is um i think ruri kurtsen was one of the umpires and because he's also called ruri uh he know he knew me and i i said uh, when i was measuring out my run up rudy kurtsen said to me he said rudy do you have a problem with no balls uh <laughs> i said sometimes he said no you won't have a problem with no balls <laughs> he made it up uh and so i remember that and uh, of course uh, you know when the when the dutch won the game they um, they uh, rubbed it in a little bit and uh Yeah we've we've become good friends with with the Dutch players over the years and even now some of the Dutch players who played in that time are involved in Dutch cricket and I often see them um at uh, uh functions and and conferences like this so great great that they also helping their cricket grow and how did cricket grow in Namibia around that time because you were playing the ICC trophy uh, you played that in 97 then in 2001 qualification was achieved for the world cup but what was that team like like for example you were a doctor you are a doctor i'm sure there would have been other teammates who had other professions so how did you all come together what was that like yeah at the time we were amateur sportsmen but 
we were professionals in our jobs. So we brought the professional mentality onto the sports field, if you know what I mean. So you had policemen, you had doctors, you had lawyers, you had teachers playing in that team. And um, the team was a very um, close-knit unit. Um, it was a great team to play in, a really great culture that we created there. And then the exposure of the 2003 World Cup, sort of more and more kids started playing. We want to play in a World Cup. And then when, um, when it became professional, um, uh, then kids started really seeing, okay, here's an opportunity for me. And that's really fascinating because so many of these people coming from other professions and play a World Cup and up against some of the big names and you were up against the likes of Wasim Akram. Then, of course, from England, Nasser Hussain was captain. In India, Tendulkar, Sehwag and Australia had that legendary team that we all look up to. Walking into a World Cup, guys who have got everyday jobs, that feeling, that excitement, maybe that nervousness, what's that like? That was amazing. Uh, I remember the game against Pakistan. Um, we were 49 for nine. And at that time, the lowest score for any World Cup team was 53 all out. And I, as I walked in, our team manager, Francois Erasmus, said to me, he said, Doc, just keep us out of the record books, please. <laughs> and I walked in and from the one side was bowling Wazim Akram. And then from the other side was bowling Waka Yunus. And... Then we went past 53, and uh, then they brought Shoeb Akhtar on. And <clears throat> Shoeb bowled a ball of 161 kilometers an hour to me. There was not a single fielder in front of me. But I think that's where the, the rugby mindset helped me a lot. My rugby mindset was sort of, listen, I'm not scared of these guys. Um, I'm a rugby player. So... Uh, I went in with that kind of attitude and uh, I even started chirping Shoeb a little bit and he didn't <laughs> like that at all. So he just bowled faster and faster and I think we in eventually went to 92 or 93, somewhere there. Can't remember. But at the drinks break, I I, 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 <laughs> I, I was very confident. I walked to Waka Yunus. I said, listen, Waka, you're never going to get me out. You need to bring on the spinners because these guys are not going to get me out. <laughs> and, and Waka was laughing. He thought it was very funny. Uh, so, yeah, it was nervous. You know, you, you are nervous. We played against Australia as well, against England. You are nervous, but I think the rugby mentality helped me personally a lot. You spoke about the rugby mentality. I actually wanted to ask you about how much did your being a doctor help you? Because I was reading about you and I saw somewhere that you were at the time one of the people who used to fight against AIDS and the pandemic uh, that and, and its repercussions. So how much did that mindset toughen you up for sport? That, uh, that helps you a lot. You know, it's um, being a doctor. Doctors are people who take information and see how they can solve things and problems. So on the sports field, it's very much the same. So being a doctor helped me a lot. It gave me a, a lot of um, uh, mental toughness as well. Uh, I think that was my biggest attribute as a sportsman um, is the mental toughness. Um, one day I was, when we qualified for the Cricket World Cup, the ICC sent uh, the high performance people to come and help us just to get us up to a standard. And in that group of people was Bob Woomer. Uh, the late Bob Woomer. 
And Bob, the first ball he saw me bowl, I, I had a very round arm action. Bob actually walked up to me and he said, Doc, I think you should stick to rugby. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, my immediate reaction is, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to mm. show you you're wrong. And that's, that comes from uh, the mental toughness you get as a doctor when you work with difficult situations, when, you're, you, know, when you do a, a delivery of a baby or you operate or something and, and you get into a tough situation. You, you get a, a, a real mental toughness uh, as a doctor. And that certainly helped you against Pakistan, as you said, and you were laughing your way through that challenge. But the game against England is really memorable because you took five wickets and some really big names, I must say, because your wickets include Michael Vaughan, who was in the form of his life at the time, Nick Knight, Craig White, and Ronnie Irani among the five. So what do you remember about that bowling spell? Because... Those are some of big, some of the big names of English cricket at the time. Yeah, you know, I, I that was a fantastic game. I'll never forget it. Uh, one of my favorite memories. Uh, we had a plan for for Michael Vaughan. Uh, we put a, a short mid wicket there, and we wanted to bowl uh, short of a length into him, and uh, it worked like an absolute uh, bomb. You know, he pulled it to mid wicket. And he was out. And as he walked past me, I said to him, I said, Michael, it's much slower than it looks, mate. <laughs> he didn't like that. <laughs> and, and then uh, it, uh, in, the, in the batting, when we came to batting, we, um, I batted with my roommate, Melt van Square, in the last two overs of the match. As I, and I walked in and uh, Ronnie Irani was on a hat-trick and I saw out the hat-trick. And then uh, we batted and James Anderson bowled the last over. And I said to Melt van Skoer, my roommate, I said, Melt, just let me face the last ball. And I faced the last ball of James Anderson and I hit him straight back over his head into the side screen. And uh, that was like the English really didn't like it. You know, they, <laughs> I remember Alex Stewart gave me a couple of very uncomfortable words from behind the wicket. And it was just a great day um, for Namibian cricket that day, uh, playing well against England. You know, I remember that six very well because I remember coming back from school and watching the last few overs and I still remember the beaming smile after you hit the six and that guy is currently, the guy you hit a six off is currently the leading wicket taker in test cricket for fast bowlers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite that a memory. Like a, that is a memory. That's a really like a memory. Yeah, but and, and, you know, it just got better because, of course, Namibia went into that World Cup. It wasn't about qualification for the next round, but about growth for Namibian cricket. How big was that game against India? Because, of course, a billion people watching, Tendulkar, Sehwag. You got Sehwag out early. Sehwag was out on 24, 25. Yeah. And then yeah. Tendulkar gets the 100, but you got him out as well. And you're one of the few yes. people who can go and tell their grandchildren, hey, you know what, I got the greatest batter out. Yeah, no, I think that is just an absolute um, highlight for any bowler who's ever bowled to Sachin Tindulkar. If you got the Sachin Tindulkar wicket, you know, it's, it puts you in a different class. Um, and if, to me, that was incredible. Um, I actually bowled him a ball when he had eight runs that beat him inside. And it almost I almost bowled him. Yes. And then, he, of course, he made the 100 and I, I got him with a slower ball. Um, but a fantastic man, fantastic player, very humble. Um, I remember playing against India. Um, Zahir Khan bowled 
a couple of our batsmen on their on their toes, and they came um, into the dressing room with ice on the toes. So I I took one of my ball boxes and I took the ball box and I taped it onto my left toe, <laughs> and uh, I I sat there waiting to go and bat. And uh, then our team manager Francois Erasmus said to me, "No, no, no, Doc, take off the ba- the ball box. You're not allowed to do that." <laughs> and I said, "Really? You really think I'm not allowed?" He said, "No." So I went in, and then I asked the umpire. I said, uh, "I said, sir, tell me, am I allowed to put my ball box on my foot?" He said, "I'm not sure." <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't do it. But it was also, you know, Zaire Khan bowled well that day. It was an absolute privilege for us to play against such names as as Sachin. And of course, the Australians, the greatest team that we've possibly seen in one-day cricket. They had everyone: Hayden, Gilchrist, Ponting, Martin, and go down the order. You've Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee, Shane Warne was missing, but they had Brad Hogg, who did a great job for them in that tournament. Of course, that game was forgettable. But coming up against the greatest team, what was that like for players who played the game for the passion and for the love of it? Yeah, I, I must give so much credit to that Australian team because they were very hard on the field and very cool off the field. They invited us to their change room, and we had a couple of beers with them. And I um, I remember at uh, I bowled to um, Darren Lehman, and he hit me all over the place. And at lunchtime, I walked into the um, I walked into the the the, the dining area. And Lehman came walking up to me and he said, "Mate, I'm sorry I ruined your World Cup." <laughs> and uh, we we sort of started talking and we became friends. And then later that year at the Rugby World Cup, he was there again, and uh, we joked about it. But they were nice to play against. But uh, the late Andrew Simons, I came into bat, and obviously they did their homework. So they were going on about um, rugby. Yes, this guy is a rugby player. Come on, they hit the ball like a rugby player. They were, they were chirping me. And uh, then I, at one stage, Brett Lee was bowling and Gilchrist said to him, come on, Brady, ref it up, matey, 161, that's where we want it. And then I turned around to Gilchrist and I said to Gilchrist, you know what rugby players, players really like? That's fighting. And then he <laughs> kept quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you said that it didn't, of course, uh, that game was forgettable in that sense. But overall, the experience was really good for Namibia. The fact that it was the first World Cup. In hindsight, and with you currently being a part of the Namibian board and watching Namibia cricket grow, how important was that appearance at the World Cup for Namibian cricket? It was very important. But after that, Namibian cricket went through a very difficult time. And in 2018, um, the the ship turned around, and um, Namibia started really performing. And of course, now Namibia is the only professional sport in Namibia. We've got contracted players, and um, we've done really well. We're very, very proud of our team, of our players, of our coach, of our CEO, of our our whole setup. It's really like a family, um, and we are very few people in Namibia. Only two and a half million people. But we've got we've got really something special going in cricket Namibia. It's a it's an amazing group of people all pulling in the same direction. We'll come back to that, but before that, I would like to ask you, you went on to play a rugby world cup the same year in 2003. I think you just played the one game against Romania. 
1999, you also played a World Cup, but this time it was just that one game. In the months after the Cricket World Cup, you said you had to bulk up for rugby. How difficult was that, changing the workload? Because on the one hand, you were bowling fast and then you were going on to play a very, very physical contact sport. Yeah, I think, you know, that Rugby World Cup, uh, my body really started, that was now for seven years I've played and the the evening of the captain's run before our first match against Argentina in the Rugby World Cup, that last, that, that afternoon I tore my calf muscle. That's why I only played in one game. Um, so mm. I tore the calf muscle and I couldn't walk. And um, so eventually they, uh, they got me uh, better and I, I played in the last game. Um, but I think it was just all the years of playing rugby and cricket, you, you know, and injuries, uh, knee ligaments that you tear, uh, things that you break. Um, eventually your body tells you, look, um, you're overdoing it a bit now. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, it happened in that Rugby World Cup just before the first game. Um, but yeah, it's, that's sport. And that makes you very tough mentally to cope with those injuries because there was a lot of pressure then on me because everybody said, now this is a record and this has never been done before. And so you really want to play and you're ready to play. And then you get the injury and, and you have to get through that. So did you stop sports after that Rugby World Cup completely? No, no, no. Um, I still play uh, cricket. I still play cricket. Uh, I actually last year was about to play in the over 50s World Cup. Ah. Um, And then I tore my knee ligaments again. And now I've been through the rehab and now I can play again. So I'll start playing now again. I still play cricket. I'm still uh, fit enough. Oh, that's really great to know. But the other aspect is you went into conservation, the Nankose Foundation, and it's been doing some really great work. Where did that passion for conservation come about? And it's a very noble cause. We'd love to know more about it because also I've read somewhere that Angelina Jolie also uh, extended her support to your cause. So what's it about and what are the challenges that you see in Namibia? Yeah, so uh, my wife is a, a conservationist and um, being a medical doctor, I used to help her, start helping her with, with when animals need help. And then later on, um, I bought a piece of land outside of the capital where we could um, do what she loves to do, and that's work with animals. And uh, also she speaks the San Bushman language, which is an indigenous language. And... Um, in 2003, um, we actually, um, a young baby died um, in her arms because of poor health care. And we started this clinic um, for these people in the east of Namibia where we gave, started giving them free health care. And through that project, uh, we met some people who, who started supporting our cause and then the conservation, uh, we on the land that we lived on, we built a lodge and we, uh, the animals that needed help came there and it grew and grew and grew. And it's really my passion today. It's really, uh, I love doing that, um, helping animals, helping wildlife, protecting wildlife, protecting landscapes. Um, and we've built schools and clinics and things like that. So, yes, uh, very, very, very um, passionate about the work that we do with Nankuse. And how do you balance it all? Because you're also involved with Cricket Namibia. 
with the sport growing at the moment in the country as you said the only professional sport giving contracts to their players plus your duties with your foundation so how do you balance it out through all this because you need to devote enough time and energy to both yeah i think i'm i'm very lucky uh with the people i have around me i have fantastic people around me the people in cricket namibia is fantastic i've seen i was fantastic and in ankuse it's a big organization we employ 420 people um uh, there i have incredible people working with me um and so it's it's all about the people you're just as good as the people around you um but you have to be good at time management and uh, you must realize that some things you must delegate to other people and trust them with it so i think in that regard um i'm very lucky to have people around me who who, who makes it easier for me you know this question may sound a little bit philosophical like we've got young people wanting to play sport and of course you want to do well on the world stage which you did you had reached the world's platform but to pick up something like conservation and the work that you did as a medical doctor as well requires a greater sense of purpose so is that something that you found at an early age or it just built over time now i'm i'm someone who who reacts on my convictions if i think something is not right i would try and fix it if i believe in something i will go flat out for it and i always tell my my two sons i always say look you're going to die one day that's 100% that's going to happen <laughs> um and you have two options on your gravestone it will say this is rudy van fieren he lived from this day to this day or it will say this is rudy van fieren he made the world a better place and that's just how i am and um the people i associate with all have the similar kind of mindset um you have to love what you do you have to believe in what you do because only if you love what you do and believe in what you do can you do it well um there was a time when i had to make a decision between continuing as a full time doctor and going into conservation and yes then you consider your finances and money and things like that but for me it was a easy decision uh i love what i do i still work a little bit as a doctor uh but the conservation and nankuse is is my is my work, life's work and that's a very uh, it's a very great thing that you said that you love what you do and at that point in time when you have to decide between your medical career and the conservation career so for any young person out there who may be in a similar spot where there are two roads in front of him or her and they've got to decide which path to take one may be a profession the other may be a passion or something that is a purpose driven uh, area that they want to move towards so at that point what would you like to advise them you have to follow your heart um uh, obviously you have to think about things and obviously you have to uh, weigh up risks and the future and all of that but only when you follow your heart will you be happy and and uh love what you do for me that's very really important um even with my kids so my oldest son is now in the, in a under 19 namibian uh, team which is going to tanzania for the world cup qualifiers and i had to be very careful because because i love cricket i can't force it onto him and i that's the but you can see when somebody's heart when they follow their hearts 
And, and I would say to any young person, you must find what you love to do. And even if it takes time to find it, you have to find it. Don't settle for second best. And there's a lot of heart that's needed to become a cricketer in the associate world and to continue to follow that passion. You said since 2018, things have turned. So how have the last few years been for Namibian cricket? What has caused that change in the sport? Especially the thing that we saw in 2021 in the UAE, qualifying for the main round. That was pretty big. And I was there in Sharjah when you qualified and you, you beat Ireland in that big game. What was that like? That was amazing, you know. You can do all the hard work behind closed doors. And you, you can lead as well as you can. But if the on-field performance is not there, then it's, it's really difficult. And so we, that's why we're so proud of our team and our coach and our captain. Um, because they, the on-field performance just echoed what happened in the boardroom. Um, and in the boardroom, we aligned the leadership with skills. And we put the right people on the bus and we know where the bus is going. So the right people is on the bus and they are in the right seats on the bus and the bus is going. And our culture that we've created is a very strong culture. And that culture, if you, if you don't believe in our culture as Cricket Namibia, then you must get off the bus. And we've made it very clear. And I think that has aligned our, our players, our staff, our um, uh, high performance, everything very well. But in saying that, the landscape keeps changing. You know, players uh, now play in leagues and the economics of cricket are changing. So it remains challenging. And as an organization, you need to recognize the, the trends and the change in the landscape and adapt to that. And you spoke about the bus, that it keeps moving forward and those who are on board jump on and then they take the journey forward. And watching the Namibian team, you get a sense that there is a great deal of unity and it just feels so good to see them perform. Even at the 2022 Australia T20 World Cup, we saw them beating Sri Lanka, which was really big. I think the way they tricked the Sri Lankan batters with spin especially. So it looks like a very professional setup. Now, how do you continue to help that grow? Because there have to be structures to support what's at the top. And what is the vision forward? Yeah, it's, that's, you need to um, listen to what's happening out there. Listen to your players. Listen to the coaches. See where they need support. Uh, and sometimes it needs some very difficult conversations um, to grow as an organization. And it needs conflict, but good conflict. Um, and we've had that in Cricket Namibia um, uh, at some stages where we, we really had to have good, hard conversations and then address brutal facts and then move on. And that's what I, what I think makes Cricket Namibia so special is that uh, because it's the Namibian way of doing things, we, we, we rather um, make something work than to give up. Um, and it's the same on the field with the players. They, I just saw now on the 19 team the scores coming through, how they fought again today. There's something about Namibians, the way they fight on a cricket field and the way they fight to make things work. Uh, that is actually incredible. And moving forward, what is, uh, what is the pathway and what is the vision? Like, how are you going to continue to develop and grow players so that the Namibian 
structure remains strong? Yeah, you know, it's uh, um, very important that in Namibia we have great athletes, but because of the legacy of cricket, cricket is very often still seen as a, a white English sport. So for us, one of the key things is to find the athletes in our country and develop them as cricket players and make them success stories, help them to create and craft a career so that they can inspire other kids. You have only two and a half million people in a country that is so big. We have the second lowest population density in the world. We have to overcome those challenges to grow cricket. And I think we're getting, we're getting there. Um, we, today we won the development award um, and for our program where we, we get kids to play wherever they are. If they are in the, in the felt, in the bush or in the city or in a, a rural village, they can play. And that's how we're going to grow the game. We have to find the athletes and increase our depth. Congratulations on the award, by the way. And it is it is really a great testament to what you have been trying to achieve for Namibian cricket. And it's it's really amazing that here's a man who has done so many things in his life, has picked up a Pfeiffer at a World Cup, has hit James Anderson for a six, has bowled out Sachin Tendulkar, is back with Namibian cricket and is trying to show them the way forward. And I think it is really amazing. And it's it's really my honor to have you on our show because I've really learned a lot from this conversation. So, but before we go, is there something that you would like to add maybe as a message? Because personally, I feel there is a lot to learn from your journey. Yes, I think, you know, um, uh, for, for my kids, um, I always say that um, hard work, nothing beats hard work. Uh, and it's a, it's a cliche, it's a cliche, but it's honestly true. If I think of the hard work that went into uh, taking cricket Namibia forward, um, you must never give up, never, ever give up, not on the field, not off the field. Um, and if you keep working hard, you're eventually going to get there. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a key way how I live my life um, and you must realize that your life must impact this world you can impact people you can impact the, the environment uh, and you only have so much time to do it so start doing it that's great and thank you so much Dr. Rudy for joining us and we wish you the very best not just on the cricket field but even off it with everything that you and your wife are trying to achieve with Nankose so all the very best and yes, may they make more people like you in the future. <laughs> thank you very much and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to Stumps and Stories. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have enjoyed talking to Dr. Rudy Van Guren. Now you can connect with us on social media, on YouTube. Do follow us on Digital 2 Sports and we are there across all audio platforms as Stunts and Stories. And if you want to connect with me, then make sure to follow me on Instagram at Nishat Pai Vaidya. Stumps and Stories with Nishat Pai Vaidya. A Pod 1 production.